I want to read to you from the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter, part of the Christmas story, where it says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. I want to speak to you this morning about the importance of the role of peace in the life of the believer. Especially when it comes to contending for that which is right. Or to use a biblical term, righteousness. Righteousness means that which is right. And oftentimes uh, in life we have to contend for things that are right. Why? Because there's people that don't want to do right. Or there's arguments about exactly what is right. And some people who just blatantly do wrong things. And we as believers are to contend for the things that are right. But there's a big trap that Satan seems to continually cause people of faith to fall into. And that is this. That in fighting for that which is right or working towards righteousness, contending for righteousness, that it's okay for us to act unbiblically as long as what we are fighting for is right. Righteousness. As long as it's right. And it's kind of a version of the ends justify the means. You know, as long as in the end what we're pushing for and contending for is the right thing to do, we can be as mean, as nasty, as impatient, as unkind and act as unbiblically as we very well please as long as we are contending for what's right. But this is a trap. We saw this uh, as I've been reading over the last month and keep referring to the time when Moses had led the children of Israel into the desert to a place where there was no water. Everyone was panicking, freaking out. What are we going to do? There's no water. How dare you lead us into this? We're following you. You've got us in a mess. And the people were right. There was no water. They were following Moses. He said he was listening to God. Now look at the mess we're in. And the people became angry at Moses. But we also see that Moses got angry back. The Lord said to Moses, we read in the seventh chapter of Numbers 20, he says, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. And speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So God is about to do an incredible miracle. Indeed, Moses was following God, even though he had led them to a place that was quite miserable, quite bad. He was being led by God, and now God wanted to show his glory in the midst of their suffering. But Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. That was the right thing to do. And then he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses goes off on them. He's ticked off. He's hacked. All right? Listen, you rebels! Must we bring you water out of this rock? Now God did not tell him to do that. I can't imagine a pastor getting mad and calling people names. (laughs) 
<laughs> Doesn't make it right. But sometimes people drive us crazy. And they were driving Moses crazy. And they got mad. And he yells at them. And then instead of speaking to the rock like God had told him, Moses raised his arm and he struck the rock twice with his staff. Bam! Bam! And water rushed out of the rock. Now, did they get their miracle? Yes. Was everyone happy? Yes. It was quite lovely. They were thirsty, awfully cool, water flowing out of rocks. You don't see that every day. This is kind of a cool thing. Everything was good, right? The right thing was done. The right thing was done, but God was not happy with Moses. Says the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites. Because he didn't, they didn't do what he told them to do. They got angry. Started hitting the rock. He says, you will not bring this community into the land I will give them. Now you have to understand, this is a big deal. This was a major blow in the life of Moses. His whole life was about bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. It was all about bringing them into the promised land. And because of this moment, God did not let him go into the promised land. He brought him to the edge of the promised land, went up into a mountain. God showed him what he was going to miss. And Moses died up there. He wasn't allowed to go in. Why? Because he went after that which was right, but did it in a very harsh and mean way. It's a trouble that we all struggle with, myself all the way down to everyone else here, I'm sure. For some strange reason, we think it's okay to get nasty or mean as long as what we're fighting for is right. Now, we see this played out in the lives of couples, sadly, almost every day. People who are some of the sweetest, kindest, most loving, patient, polite people in the world. You're sitting around them this morning. When they get home, behind closed doors, they get mean and nasty and yell and attack. Some of y'all curse at each other. Shame on you. Why do you do it? Because I'm right. See, I'm right. He's wrong. If he wasn't an idiot, I wouldn't have to yell at him. If she wasn't a witch, I wouldn't have to yell at her. See, we, we take this huge leap in our brains and we think because what we're arguing for, what we're contending for, what we're pressing toward is right, therefore it justifies us to act any stinking way we well please. But we deceive ourselves. It's not right. You can't just act as nastily as you want. Boy, talk about a reality show. That would be a reality show, wouldn't it? Christian couples at home. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> we see it played out during the holidays. I've received so many questions about 
the holidays. Pastor, do I have to go over to my in-laws house? I shouldn't have to, because they're not right. They're wrong. Her mother's a witch. I'm convinced of it. I'm sure if we look in the basement, we'll see this big cauldron. She stirs at night with incantations. I can't let that into my family. Just relax for crying out loud. How about be nice? You don't have to live with them, thank God. Just got to go visit for a couple of hours. Now, granted, there's some cup homes, you know, in-laws, relatives, they're just flat out insane. And you don't want to let your kids be exposed to some of the horrible things they do. I get that. I understand that. Well, then leave the kids with somebody else. They don't want to go anyway. <laughs> and you show up. You be nice. No, it's not right. Relax a little bit. Christians <laughs> in churches, when we start debating what's right and what's not right in the church, all of a sudden, some of the sweetest people on God's earth turn into some of the meanest, nastiest, criticizing, acting in ways that are blatantly unbiblical, accusing and attacking in secret, refusing to go to the ones they're angry with. I was like, they take their Bibles and just tear them up and throw it out with the trash. Well, I don't have to act biblically because I'm right. I'm right. As long as I'm right, I can act like hell. No. No, that's, that's wrong, you see. James writes about this. He says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Write this down. Pay attention. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Why? Because man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. You do not get to righteousness in anger. If you're angry and upset, you need to just stay calm. Don't go acting on that. But, but, but it's right. No, 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 no. Just relax. You don't get to righteousness in anger. Is that who? Apparently the Bible. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. James goes on to talk about this a little bit later in his epistle. He, he actually talks about how you can tell about true wisdom. True wisdom. Now see, wisdom is knowing what's right and wrong. Do you remember Solomon when he prayed for wisdom? God comes to Solomon and it's the ultimate genie in the bottle moment in the Bible. You know the story of the genie in the bottle? He wrote the bottle, the genie pops up. Ask whatever you want, I'll give it to you. God actually did this for a man. His name was Solomon. He said to him, ask me anything you want and I'll give it to you. Can you imagine getting that request? Well, most of you, we'd be counting up the dollars. I mean, right away, they'd be ching, ching. Give me the cash. Show me the money. 
That, yeah, that's what everybody be thinking. One honest man in the crowd. <laughs> there you go. Show me the money. But Solomon doesn't do that. He said, I'll tell you what. I can ask anything. Yes, any, anything. Yes. He said, then help me to know the difference between right and wrong. Help me to know what's right and what's wrong. So he didn't actually say, give me wisdom. He said, let me know the difference between right and wrong. That's, that's what wisdom is. And because Solomon asked that, God said, not will I only make you the wisest man who's, who will ever live on the face of the earth. I will give you the money. I will give you, <laughs> I'll give you everything. And talk about being blessed. Do you know Solomon's income, annual income was measured in tons of gold? When you're getting paid in tons of gold, you're doing pretty well. Pretty much tons of anything would be pretty good. Much less gold, considering it's $1,000 an ounce. Do the math on that. About wisdom. What's godly wisdom? How do I know what's right and what's wrong? James answers this. He says, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all, amazingly, he doesn't measure it against the standard of what's right and wrong. Put that back up there. Bible in the sky. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all, what, 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 what's right? What's wrong? James, I want to know what's right and wrong. How do you know if it's right and wrong? Where's the standard? Show me the other scriptures so I can know if it's right or wrong. He doesn't use that standard. He said, this is how you'll know. Because first of all, it'll be pure. Secondly, it'll be peace-loving. Considerate. Submissive. Willing to yield to leadership. Full of mercy. Good fruit. Impartial, which means not picking sides. You see, if, if what you're contending for is right and wrong and you're picking sides and being nasty and mean, it's, it's not the wisdom that comes from God. Just before this, he says, actually, the wisdom that comes from Satan. If there's angry and dissension and all that kind of... Well, isn't that interesting? That wisdom measured not so much against a particular standard, but oftentimes the way in which it comes. Why? Because how we get there is as important as, getting, as important as getting there. It's different. See, in the world standard, all that matters is that you get there. Hence, the phrase, the ends justifying the means. As long as you get to the right place, it doesn't matter how you got there. But we're not of this world. We're of God's world. We're of God's kingdom. We are held to a, to a level of God's righteousness. You just don't be mean and nasty. And he goes on to say in verse 18, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness, that which is right. They get to that. They're surrounded by what is right. Who does? The guys who are the smartest? The guys who have the best view of what's happening and what isn't happening? No. The people who walk in peace 
peace. Glory to God in the highest. Peace to men of goodwill. We are called to peace. It is the peace of God that comes by the Holy Spirit that is supposed to guide and direct us in our Christian lives. Paul wrote about this in his letter to the Colossians. He said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now that word rule is the same word in Greek that means to adjudicate. It's, it's like the umpire. If you were to be an umpire in a game, it would be that word. You're ruling. It's the Holy Spirit. It's that peace of God inside us that if we're going the wrong direction or doing something wrong, something is not peaceful and he's blowing the whistle. Stop! Foul! Penalty! This is how you know when you're walking with God as you continue to walk in peace. If there's no peace, stop. Stop. But pastor, it's right, it's wrong. Stop. Stop. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. We've been called to walk in peace, yet so many believers find this a difficult thing to do. It's amazing the stories that you hear of people who, again, blatantly act. And we're not talking in kind of unbiblical. We're talking blatantly unbiblical. Nasty, critical, gossiping. Did you hear? No, I didn't hear. What did you hear? Ooh, that's what I heard. Ooh, it doesn't have to be on the phone, but it's going to be on Facebook. Emails. Did you hear? No, I didn't hear. Oh, that's gossiping. Oh, that's, yeah, we shouldn't gossip. But not when we're fighting for what's right. It's okay to gossip. No, it's not. You see. It's okay to say mean things as long as we're fighting for what's right. No, 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 it's not. I like our slogan. Be real. Belong. Become. We need to add one. Be calm. It's amazing the people that, that you hear from time to time. I, I read, a, this was in the newspapers a couple of years ago. This pastor and his wife were arguing over what was right in the church. And, and she beat the snot out of him in the parking lot. Just bloodied him up. Apparently she was a healthy girl. That's all I can figure. You know, this, girl, this girl cleaned his clock. Well, isn't that lovely? Isn't that great? The world looks at us and laughs. I'm sure she punched him out because she was fighting for that which is right. He was taking the church in a direction she didn't approve of. and She was going to show him. Thinking she was fighting for that which is right. And of course it split the church. There were the punchies and the punchers. Come on. People falling out of peace. They're not walking in peace, be it in their homes, with their relatives during the holidays, within the church if someone doesn't like something that's been done. When we're blatantly, blatantly not supposed to do that. The Bible is incredibly clear. We need to walk in peace. Jesus warned us in this. 
John, the 14th chapter, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. I trust in God, but I'm mad. No, if you're trusting God, you don't let your heart be troubled. You see, letting your heart be troubled is really a decision. It's a choice that you make. I choose to walk in peace or I choose to get mad as a rattlesnake. It is a choice. Jesus didn't say, come to me and I'll keep your hearts from being troubled. He looked at them and said, don't you let your heart be troubled. We are not to, we are to guard our hearts, the Bible says. Are you guarding your hearts? Or are you letting the troubles of others poison you? You know, the Bible says we're supposed to bear each other's burdens, but we're not supposed to carry each other's poison. I mean, it's like the hospital. You know, when you go to a hospital, they do everything they can not to get what you got. Right? You come in, you meet with them, they smile, they shake your hands. As soon as you leave, Next guy comes in, how you doing? Good to see you. How you feeling today? Okay, great. See you next week. Why? They know that to help you, it's best they not catch what you have. Is this making sense to anybody? Being compassionate and loving. Here's what happens a lot oftentimes in families and with relatives and churches. Particularly in churches, oftentimes there's a handful of people who get really mad about something. It's just a handful. Then there's a large cloud of people around them who get really upset for no other reason than they got upset. They're upset because somebody else got upset. Why are you upset? I'm upset because I got upset. Why? Because they shouldn't get upset. That makes me upset. Things are wrong. Things are wrong. Stop. Don't let someone else's icky get on you. Right? Keep the icky off. New product, icky off. <laughs> I got these wipes. We need to get some wipes. Icky off. And hand them out to everybody. You get around somebody who's all upset, somebody just go get a thing of icky, icky off. And woo, woo, woo. Don't pick up the distress of another. When the Bible says we are to bear the burdens of others, it does not mean you pick up their agony. You don't help someone who's full of bitterness by becoming bitter with them. I'm just sharing their burden, Pastor. No, you're letting yourself get bitter. You don't help someone's anger by you too becoming angry. You don't help somebody's depression by you too becoming depressed. Icky off. Instead, speak life to people's distress. Calm to their storm. Joy to their sadness. Don't allow your desire and your quest for that which is right to cause you to act in ways that disappoint God. Speak words of life. And above all. Don't let 
your heart be troubled. Be at peace. Be at peace. I'm going to invite the ushers to come at this time and our musicians can come back and get ready to serve communion this morning. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared to these shepherds. And they began praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. Well, pastor, I was in peace until people got upset. I'm always at peace when things are calm. Well, duh. Of course. It's easy to be at peace when everything is peaceful. What God allows us to do is walk supernaturally in ways beyond the natural. In other words, he allows us to be at peace when everybody is not at peace. He allows us to be calm when everybody else is freaking out. He allows us to be full of kindness when everybody else is being very unkind. He allows us to bless when other people curse. Let us make a decision to walk peace on earth goodwill to men. You see, ultimately, people, this is for all of us. Faith is a choice. We choose to do the right thing or we justify doing the wrong thing because we think it'll end up right. Let's not go there. Let's choose to do that which is right. Maybe you're here this morning as we're getting ready to serve communion. Maybe you've never really made a choice in your life. See, again, faith is not about something magical that happens to you or doesn't happen to you. It's a choice. You either choose to believe or you choose not to believe. It is, quite frankly, that simple. Have you chosen? Have you made the decision in your heart, you know, I want to trust God in my life. I want to know Christ. I want to put my trust and hope in him. We're about to take communion. This is when we reflect on what Jesus Christ did for us on that cross 2,000 years ago. His body was broken for us so we could be whole. His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins. That's what we reflect on, on the body and the blood of Christ during communion time. Have you accepted that grace into your life? If you haven't made that decision yet, I'm going to invite everybody to bow your heads in a word of prayer with me. I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to invite all of you to pray this along with me. If you will believe this, from the bottom of your heart, you can take your first steps of faith this morning. You can make that decision. Yes, I choose to believe. Let's pray this together. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. And that you loved me so much. You went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. I surrender to you. Amen.